0: That's ixl.com slash be. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. This episode is brought to you by John Catt Educational, a leading independent publisher with six decades of experience supporting teachers and school leaders. Learn about research-based, easy-to-use professional development books for your entire faculty by visiting us.johncatbookshop.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode 333. Wow, that's like a magic number, and I'm excited to have Kevin Finnegan on the program. Welcome to Transformative Principle, Kevin.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited, and I like the number 333. That should be good. Yeah, it's like a magic
0: number. I'm excited. This is great. So... Uh, Kevin is the principal of Prairie Hill School in Illinois, and his students recently showed a 77% growth in math. And so today we are going to talk about how that came to be. So, Kevin, before we jump into that, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your school and something that we should know that will help us understand how you had such phenomenal growth in math?
1: Uh, absolutely, I'm excited to talk about uh, Prairie Hill. It's it's my little home. Uh, we always say there's there's no Prairie Hill town. Uh, Prairie Hill is the school, and the community comes together. Uh, we're in we're in northern Illinois, uh, right on the border of Wisconsin. Uh, we can almost see the border from from where we're at, less than a mile away. And we we have pre-K through fourth grade, about 430 students here. And we've been very fortunate. I mean, over the time I've been here for nine years to to see some magnificent growth. And I, I really think it goes back to our mission statement. And I know when I started here, our mission statement was very long and, and wordy as a school, uh, I think over 30 words long, and we simplified it. And our, our mission statement now is students first, always. As simple as that. And and I think that really helps drive every discussion and every decision we make And and has seen a lot of growth from our students.
0: Yeah, that is a powerful, and it's always good when you can, Say a mission statement without having to think about it right
1: it, that and and honestly it's it's something that every single person in my community can say, which I think is pretty interesting too, that you know parents will use it in in every way in great ways or or you know if if they might disagree with the decision i make they'll'll they'll, they'll be quick to call me out and say, was, was yeah. that student's first kevin and, and and you know i've been checked a couple of times, so it's nice but but every student, every staff member, every parent knows our mission statement and we we live it uh, every day
0: yeah absolutely well and on your uh, district website it's down at the footer of that website and you can get the link to that but going to transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 333 and I noticed that and thought that was interesting because a lot of times in education we say that but we don't actually mean that and we we like to think that that's what we're doing but when it comes down to it we make a lot of decisions that make it easier for the adults or easier for someone else, but not for the kids. So what are some ways that you have reinforced that idea that students f- come first always? And uh, maybe a couple of examples of how you've done that.
1: Well, we are a professional learning community and, and we definitely practice that fully where about seven years ago, we eight years ago, we, we reformed our, our schedule so that every day, uh, all of our grade level teams, which is about four, grade, four teachers per team, Per team, yes. So our fourth grade team, uh, third grade team, they have an hour of common collaborative time every day, and some of that time they're not collaborating, but but often they are as a group. and And the students are always the bring back where whatever we're discussing, we want to know okay, but what's in it for the student? Why are we making this decision? And in our in our math growth, uh, that came up constantly in our in our training in whatever we were looking to develop, it was bring it back to the student. Maybe this is difficult for us, but if we see the payoff for the students in the end, then it, then it has great value.
0: Yeah, I think that's really valuable when you can, as you said, make the students the bring back. That makes it so that, you know. I was talking to uh, Sam Brooks on a podcast a few weeks ago, and he said that they start their meeting with a particular student in mind. So every time they start a meeting, they have a student in mind that they're thinking about And so that the decisions that they make, they think about how those decisions will impact that particular student that they're talking about. And that is, you know, a really simple strategy that helps make sure that students are the priority every single day. Now, to get an hour of collaborative time every day, that takes some creative scheduling and some different things. Talk a little bit about how you carve time out for that and what you do with the kids when they're not with their teacher.
1: Perfect, and, and I'm I'm going to use that. By the way, the the making sure we yeah. think of a, of an individual student. I like that because yeah, like one of the awesome. one of our nor- one of our norms we talk about within our team meetings are is imagine the students that you're talking about right now are here, so that you know we're we're doing it with that student in mind, and it's it's not a complaint session. It's it's talking mm-hmm. as though that student were there, so they're hearing what we're looking to do to help them. But how we were able to schedule it, uh, it takes it's as always i've always said to be a great principal it's easy all you have to have is a fantastic staff and <laughs> and i'm fortunate to have that and my pe teacher when when we decided we wanted to do this she was said i want to be the driving force here and um she said i want students more so the way we worked it is i have four sections of of a grade level and she said well i'll take two classes at a time she said it's it's actually better for sports and activities to have more kids involved at once and so half of a grade is at PE at a time. And, and so what we did is I figured for a week, I have 10 half hour blocks. So they go to PE for four of those 10 blocks. Uh, they go to what we call a STEM class at the third and fourth grade level. So science, technology, engineering, and math, They a lab class. They go twice a week for a half hour. So that's, that's some of that time. They go to music twice a week. They go to the library. And then one day a week, they have art for the full hour. So in being creative in that, it it freed up the students to the specials uh, and then allowed the teachers to be able to get together, talk about student growth, talk about their their mission, talk about where we're going with the standards and with the curriculum, uh, and always taking it back to where the students are.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. It seems that this, this approach of having the kids in specials during this time is really the way that that it works best for most elementary schools and that's what we did when I was in an elementary school a few years ago but the thing that I don't typically see is that they're there for a whole hour and so to make that dedication to having that obviously that that cuts out some of that instructional time where they're with their actual teacher but it sounds like you're making up for that with the things that the teachers are doing during that collaborative time so let's talk specifically about math and the focus that you've been having on math and how that has how that's made an impact for your
1: students. So we we've always been a, a very high performing district, and and that's that's great. It's obviously something that we're proud of, but it also makes change a little more difficult when you've always when you've had success uh, in the past, and uh, you know good being the enemy of great or whatever you want to, you know, every ad- adage you've heard about it. But as I said earlier, I have a fantastic staff that is competitive, which I love, and and mm-hmm. they want to be better. They're competitive within a, com- a team environment. They want to be the best as a cohesive group. And, and so last year, we noticed at the beginning of the year that our math scores statewide were a little less than than we expected. We We dove into the information. We realized that Students, their computation facts, fantastic, were not an issue, but they really had a hard time elaborating on their thinking in math. And that's something a lot of students struggle with, especially at the lower levels. And And so as a building, we started having a mantra of, in any math assignment, we're saying, I know this because, I know this because, why? Not just, I can solve it. And then really getting depth, in depth and to watch a kindergarten class have a discussion deeply about how they know an addition problem or composing and decomposing numbers. It's just I always say if you see something that can be done in kindergarten, it can be done anywhere, and and these yeah. kids are fantastic at it. And so we worked with Ready uh, Curriculum Associates to really align everything. We adopted their math series, uh, Ready Math, and their adaptive diagnostic iReady. So we were we were all using one platform really and speaking one language which was something we had as we're a standard based school had really done a lot with math but had done it in isolation each grade kind of doing their own thing and and maybe using a a series as as a touchstone or something to come back to but but really nothing that that drove a common language in math and when we really brought that in we had all our trainings last year all our team leader meetings we'd be talking about data or we'd be looking at it on math and our teachers just knocked it out of the park. They really did. They crushed it. We were excited when we saw that we were one of the tops in the state in growth, which was surprising because we were already relatively high. And so so to hit, to hit that high growth was, was a proud moment for our staff and for our building.
0: Yeah, and it's pretty cool to already be high and then have a huge growth, uh, 77% on top of that. You know, there's only... There's only so much you can grow when you're at the top already. And so to still have growth even up at the top is really a powerful experience for your teachers and for your community. You know, it really makes everybody feel like they are part of it. So I want to go to this idea of having the same curriculum and using common language with that curriculum and how that changed things. And did I understand correctly that you implemented the Ready Math, uh last year? And so it was just after one year of doing this all the
1: same? So it was uh, last year was the first year we did it building wide. Uh, Mm -hmm. what we had done is we had done it in second and third, fourth grade previously, but we really hadn't done it, uh, with fidelity because we hadn't had good training. I that was that was faulted. You know, that was my fault that I hadn't gotten the training for the staff that they needed. And last year when we put the emphasis, we got the training that we needed and fortunately with uh the group we were with curriculum associates we've had unbelievable trainers that have come out and worked with us and and have just been so hands on and receptive and responsive to everything we've needed and so our staff went all in and they bought in into it and just the discussions that came from math were so fun because math has always felt black and white especially mm-hmm. on the elementary level where the majority of my teachers would all say their comfort level is more the the literacy block yeah. as an elementary mm-hmm. teacher that's just usually their comfort zone and to see that math didn't have to just be one answer that it could be a discussion and how did you get there and that there's so many different ways of thinking changed just changed everything it changed our instruction it changed the the way students felt about math the way students said that they were good at math because the thing is Kids, rarely do you hear somebody say, as an adult or as a child, I'm not a good reader, especially as an adult, but you'll hear adults say, oh, I'm not good at math. And they just pass that off. And, and so we kind of looked at it at its basis. What does that mean? And, and what that meant is I just don't solve quickly usually. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we really, the discussions evolved about how you think about math, it, it just, it changed everything. And, and we've seen the, the payoff continue.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've seen that so many times over and over again, where once we recognize that math is something different than only one right answer ever, then it really opens it up for people to have amazing different experiences with it because they're just, that's just not how we've been taught to interact with math. We've been taught that there's one right answer and you have to get it fast and has to be right the first time and anything else is a failure which has led to adults saying i'm not a math person and you know that is that's so wrong on so many levels and yet we experience that all the time so let's talk about those actual those meetings that you have with the staff or the collaboration that they have what does that actually look like and how how do you know that that's an effective use of their time
1: well so so it doesn't have just one look that's for sure you know some days it's it's looking at the assessments they're going to be giving to the students ahead of time. It's it's reworking the assessment because once they gave it, they realized it wasn't really asking what they were looking for, or it's it's they've given the the pre-assessment and now they're they're talking about how they're going to teach this with the students because what are they noticing as misconceptions or gaps within the learning that the students have when they when they look at the data or when they look at the actual individual students. There's then the grouping of students by skill level maybe of where they are so that we can target directly where the where the deficiencies are within uh, within math at that at that targeted skill, at that learning target. So they're hitting it from the assessment before it's being given, or once it's given as a pre-assessment, looking at that data to respond to it all the way to setting up that that post-assessment or those many post-assessments that are going to show us, did the students learn? And I've got a sign in my office that was written by a student that says, it's not about what you teach, it's about what we learn. And so that's that's the mantra that we'll always hear is, okay, did they learn it? Did they learn it? Let's look at the data. Does it show that that they were able to to master what we've been instructing?
0: That's a great mantra. It's not about what you teach. It's about what we learned. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to see the latest publications whose exciting ideas include Overcoming the Extrovert Ideal in Our Schools, creating bottom-up transformation that promotes buy-in from all educators, and improving formal and informal continuous learning opportunities for teachers. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes. So how long did it take you to start seeing the fruits of that labor? You know you're you do a new initiative or a new curriculum or whatever, and there's expected to be some sort of time that it takes to learn it and then you can see whether or not it works and in In a recent curriculum revision in my district, uh we saw pretty quick that the new curriculum did not work <laughs> and and it was pretty disheartening because everybody was really been out of shape that we put this time and energy into it, and then it was not getting the results that we wanted so how long did it take you to see this is working, this is really great?
1: So for for Ready, it took, we kind of had a, a fortunate situation that we're a standard reference school and we had already chosen our power standards. And so when we brought on Ready, which is so standard aligned, it was able to fit our needs. And so oh, our curriculum nice. was our, were our standards. And so it was not that we just took this program and just said, oh, this is just all we have. It fit us rather than us fitting it, mm-hmm. and I think that's what made it more successful. Is we already knew the standards we wanted to teach. It just now brought in a common language. It brought in the commonality between our adaptive diagnostic that we were able to now look at that the the diagnostic results and pair that with the curriculum that we were that we were using to to really see oh where are our gaps where are our gaps within the student and within this grade that okay maybe we need to realign some of the standards at another grade level because we're noticing that that this cohort of students really is struggling with with a concept or with skills we we've noticed that with our geometry skills which are often at the elementary level considered secondary or additional standards with according to the common core and we've noticed that because of that they they often get that secondary or additional attention. And so we've had some gaps in that and, and we've been making adjustments uh, on the fly with with things such as that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that that's really interesting because it just goes to show the power of being standards-based or standards referenced and knowing what it is that's valuable for your kids to learn. And if you, if you happen to get a curriculum like you did that is aligned with what what's there then that's great but even if you don't if that piece is already in place then many more curriculums can meet your needs than than just one that you might that you might stumble upon and so i think that that's a really key point that you guys knew before you adopted a new curriculum what you cared about and valued as far as the standards were concerned and and that's something that you know we don't we don't think enough about that in my opinion and we too often think that like we should be aligning with the curriculum and not having the curriculum aligned with us. I loved how you said, said that it fit us rather than us fitting it. I think that that's a really powerful way to look at how you incorporate those things into your school and make them fit what you're doing rather than changing everything to try to align with that, which I've also seen and it's, it never
1: turns out good. (laughs) Well, and I think well i've got a, I've got an, a distinct advantage, and that's that I'm the only elementary school in my district right, so if an elementary decision has to be made, it's made in our building and it's made with my teachers, mm-hmm. where I don't have to consult with multiple other schools and multiple other principals, so I think the decision makers are all under one roof, and that's that's just been a great advantage for us because mm-hmm. we know what fits. Our students what fits our community what fits what we've been doing following our mission and and you know nothing necessarily coming top down heavy, yeah,
0: yeah, that definitely helps a lot, so the last question that I ask everybody is what is one thing a principal can do this week to be a transformative
1: principal like you oh uh, I don't know i I think you know i I'll tell you what I love and and whether it makes it transformative or anything but I got a recommendation when I was going to become an elementary principal from a teacher at my middle school. And she said that when she was younger, that her principal really showed that he cared because he'd get her on her birthday and he'd spend a little bit of time with her. And I thought, well, that's great because my fear when I was a teacher was that I'm going to become a principal and I'm going to only deal with kids when they're in trouble and they're only going to be uh, with me when they're bad. And I thought, that's not who I want to be. And I have 432 students here. I want to get to know all of them and I want to get to know them personally. So uh, I have a wall in my office that is a chalkboard wall. And I have over a thousand books because I love to read uh, that students come down. I go get them from their classroom on their birthday. So it's never weird when you see the principal come and get a kid from class because it happens every day. Yeah, And I get them for their birthday, come down, read a book to them. They pick out a book from my bookshelf and then I sign it, write a little note to them. And then they sign my wall and, and I get to watch my wall as the year goes, just grow and grow. And every day I can look at that and it's that constant reminder that it's students first, you know, cause I, I look at that wall and I, every day, you know, it starts with one student at the beginning of the year and it grows and it grows to over 430 students written on my wall that that's, that's who the mission is about. That's why we're we're making changes. that's why we're looking to grow even when we're being successful already when when my staff is saying they're eager for more, they're hungry for more and they want to be the best and and we look at that and and it just it drives us.
0: Well, that is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story and the things that you guys are doing. Again, you can get links to what we're talking about at transformativeprincipal.org slash episode three three three. And thank you again, Kevin, for being part of Transformative Principle.
1: Thank you very much, Jethro. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your teachers with professional development that is research based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information or learn more in our show notes.